We are so glad you joined us today on our podcast. We would love to continue to connect with you throughout the week. And to do that, you can check us out at substancechurch.com or on social media by searching at SubstanceMN or Substance Church. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the message. Well, what is up, Substance? Make some noise wherever you are at. Come on, Northtown, will you help me welcome our downtown west side Monterey, Mexico campus? We're so excited that you made it to church today. If we have not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Nate, and I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here on behalf of Pastor Peter and Carolyn. It's always an honor to come together and do life together on Sunday mornings. I look forward to this every, I look forward to this way more than I look forward to the fact that the Vikings are gonna win today and take over the whole conference. We're probably winning the Super Bowl this year. Get ready, go Vikes, and forget the Packers in Jesus' name. This is my moment. Pastor Peter's not here. Forget the Packers. And then we're just going to wrap up right now and, and, and pray it out for all you Packer fans. I'm joking. One of the things that I get to do on behalf of uh, Pastor Peter and Carolyn, on behalf of you at Substance, is I get to oversee some churches uh, just around the globe, around the world. It's such an honor. And, and, and we, as a, an executive team, get to pour into those pastors, serve those pastors, come alongside and co-labor with other churches. And I just wanna let you know, Substance, you're a part of something way more beyond the Twin Cities and Monterey, Mexico. We are literally a part of a church planting movement around the world. And I, our heart and desire as a church is to see as many life-giving churches in every city, every town, every state, every country that we can in our lifetime, amen? And we're a part of that. One of the churches that we've had a chance to come alongside is a, a church called Life Point Church in Wilmington, North Carolina. They were Arc Church plant number 71. So early on, uh, we were Arc plant 15. And so early on in the process, there's this couple that went and planted a church in Wilmington and, and over the years had a chance to get connected with LifePoint. And, and now they're just an amazing multi-site church, thriving. In fact, get this, in the last year, have experienced over a 1,000 salvations in their church. Uh, God is just doing an amazing work. Uh, the, the, the city of Wilmington is truly uh, on fire for God because of this church and, and a couple that uh, over 15 years ago sacrificially left uh, where they were at serving in an area that was they were comfortable in ministry and, and had all the opportunities, yet God had called them to go plant in this city and reach the people for Jesus. And, and today, we have the privilege, if Pastor Jeff, you can come up here, we have an uh, opportunity to hear from Pastor Jeff Capusa. Let's give it up for him as he comes. And... It's just such an honor. Over the years, we've become uh, friends. I, I was first friends with your executive pastor, and then I met his lead pastor, and, and quickly we became connected. And, and I just see how God has linked us together as, uh, as the broader body of Christ, but beyond that, uh, a brother in Christ who serves the Lord faithfully. And it, it's just been an honor to watch what God's doing in your life. And, 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 and for us today, we, I just wanted you to catch the DNA, to catch the, 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 maybe the, what the Spirit is doing in LifePoint. Maybe you can impart that a little bit into substance today, but we're truly a family. Can you give it up for my friend, Pastor Jeff? Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pastor Nate. Pastor Nate and Substance family, what a privilege to be with you guys. My goodness. I know that you hear this every time you've got a guest in here, but what God is doing here at Substance is not normal. It's not normal. Turn to the person next to you and just say, you're not normal. Tell them right now, your church is not normal, your pastors are not normal. Pastor Peter and Carolyn, I just, I love and I honor and I respect you. What a great privilege. It was about a year ago that I had the chance to just be at one of your first Wednesdays. 
And that service alone transformed what I took back to LifePoint. I stole everything I could steal, ripped off all your ideas, and uh, we do these big celebrations and worship nights now as a result of you guys. And so it is an honor to be with you. It's an honor to link up across campuses. I just love what God is doing. I will say, when I got on a plane out of Wilmington, it was 75 degrees. I've, uh, you guys have apologized for your weather no less than uh, 15 times since I've been here. So it's okay, it snowed as soon as we hit the ground and Pastor Nate said that that was just for us, it meant a lot. So really, really grateful. It is a, it's an honor to be with you guys. My wife has joined me here and I actually have a picture of our family. I thought I'd introduce you to my gang real quick. This is my, this is my crew up there. And so um, uh, beside me is my daughter, Kenley. She's 20 years old. And then next to her is my oldest, that's Riley. Those two are down at uh, college in Florida right now, studying and preparing for ministry. Obviously my wife right there. This summer, this coming summer, 25 years of marriage, how about that? And then next to my wife is my youngest, his name is Emery, he's 18, he's interning at a church in the Charlotte area. And we just couldn't be more proud of our kids. We love, love what God's doing in their life. Well, Substance, if you've got a Bible, I wanna invite you to open up to the Gospel of Luke. We're gonna be in Luke chapter nine. We'll start there today. So if you've got your Bibles or maybe a smartphone or a tablet, some way to follow along. If you find something to take notes with, I would encourage you to do that. If you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter nine. Let's, let's open God's word together today. And in Luke chapter nine, the Bible says this. It says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority. I just wanna pause real quick and just let you know that when God calls you, he'll equip you with the power and the authority. I don't know if anybody here is maybe wrestling with a call on your life right now. I know when, when I felt called to, to ministry, I told God, no way, wrong guy. That, that is not for me. I was going after business. I tried to tell God I'm gonna make a lot of money in business and when I do that, then I'll serve you. That was my deal. He did not sign off on it. I never felt equipped for ministry and yet, God brought what I needed when I needed it, surrounded me with great, great churches, great leaders, much like yours. And so if you're wrestling with a call, I need you to know that when Jesus sends us out, he sends us with power and authority. And so he's about to send his disciples out. And so he's given them the power and the authority, the Bible says, to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them this, listen, he says, take nothing for the journey. Imagine this for a second. Imagine going on a trip, but you're not supposed to take anything. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. I mean, he's like, I am sending you on assignment to proclaim the kingdom of God, but small details, just don't worry about packing anything. How many of you, that just kinda causes you to freak out just a little bit. You're like, are you kidding me? Because here's what I know. There are three types of packers in this world. There are those who pack days in advance. Raise your hand across our campuses. If you're a days in advance, yeah. You're, you're laying stuff, you did laundry like a week out. You prepped for this. Then there is the hours in advance. Where's my hours in advance people? Own it. Yes, yes, that's me. And then there's the third group and that is where you ask your spouse to pack for you. How many of you wanna just own that? Yeah, you just, baby, did you, did you pack for me? I'm type two, okay, I am type two packer. I am hours in advance. I will stand in front of my dresser. I will think, okay, how many days are we gone? We're gone three days, three times 1.5. That's how many outfits I need. 
I know I'm a little extra. Some of you are like, you only needed three. No, I need multiples. And then I, I will literally start dressing myself thinking about, okay, how many pairs of socks do I need? How many, how many pairs of jeans do I need? Do I need any shorts? How many shirts? And then, it's, then you get to underwear and you're like, it's three days, let's just put six pairs. Just, <laughs> just, because it's better to have it and not need it. Like if TSA goes through my bag, they're like, this guy's got problems. I don't, I just wanna be prepared. So Jesus tells his disciples, you're gonna go out But don't worry about packing anything. Don't even worry about what you're going. I mean, the idea of traveling with no luggage, it's crazy. This sounds absolutely crazy. But but here's the thing. There were no Airbnbs, no hotels. It wasn't like, you know, today, you know, you you got options. You go online. You can search all these different prices. You were at the mercy of other people back in in this day and time. Now, if somebody were to show up at your, at your house, you have to understand, culturally speaking, they were of high hospitality culture. So if someone from out of town showed up at your house needing a place to stay, you welcomed them in. You were like, oh, come on in. Can I do anything for you? We'll give you the best bed. We'll, we'll take care of you. We'll make sure that you're well cared for. But he's also, but, but what Jesus is saying is he says, listen, if somebody kind of shows up, you bring them in, you care for them. That's the way we take care of people. However, we're about to discover that the disciples may not always receive that kind of a greeting. So he goes on, he says this, verse four. He says, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust. On the count of three, can I get everybody to say shake the dust? One, two, three, shake the dust. So if they don't receive you, get out of that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Verse six, so they set out, they went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So Jesus tells them up front, he says, listen, you're gonna go out, but not everyone's going to accept you. And Jesus not only tells them that rejection lies ahead, but he's gonna begin to tell them what to do when they face rejection. I wanna point out that it is quite possible to love Jesus be called by God, fulfill the purpose on your life, walk by faith, help people in their time of need, and still get rejected by the very people you're trying to help. If 16 years of pastoring has taught me anything, it is that some people will just never like you, and they will never be happy. Have you discovered that in life? There are some folks you just can't do enough for them, no matter how good you are, how hard you try. Haters gonna what? Hate, it's just what they do. Rejection's real. Jesus knew that they would face it, might as well prepare them for it. So I've titled this message, Shake the Dust. Shake the dust. Turn to your neighbor, say, shake the dust. You gotta shake the dust. The dust on their feet was symbolic of the rejection that they received. Jesus said, if you go there and they don't receive you, shake the dust. I thought this could be maybe a good pre-holiday message. Maybe somebody's about to go spend the holidays with a family that isn't so uh, accepting. Maybe every time you get together, you feel more rejection. Well, maybe this is just something to prep you for the season that is to come. If you're taking notes, write this down. Rejection happens. Would you write those words out? Rejection happens. We know it does. It happens. If dust is symbolic of rejection, then we could say dust happens. Isn't it true? Dust is a part of life. I mean, it gets everywhere. Nobody puts dust in their house on purpose, but isn't it true, it just shows up. 
I mean, it builds up. Furniture, you're like, we just dusted a couple days ago and then you look across the shelves, there's a thin layer of dust. It gets on window blinds. Ceiling fans for crying out loud. When was the last time you checked your ceiling fan? How does that even happen? This thing is spinning 24 seven and it's got like a carpet of dust on top of it. And you don't see it till you have friends over, isn't that true? You're like, we are nasty people. Dust has a way of just accumulating. And if you can imagine being in the Middle East, everywhere you went, you were walking Shoe Leather Express. And so when you would get to a home, the host of that home, first thing that they would do is they'd have a servant in the house clean your feet because they wanted to get the dust off of your feet. And in the same way that dust is a part of life, Jesus is preparing his disciples that so is rejection. And you're gonna face situations and people that will not like you. Like hard truth, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this in life, but not everybody's gonna like you. Not everybody is going to be your biggest fan. You're not always gonna get a trophy in life. I don't know when that happened. Seems like nowadays we have a culture where everybody gets one, but not everyone's gonna wanna be your friend. You're not gonna get every job you apply for. I thought this was interesting, Walt Disney. Walt Disney was fired from, the, from one of his first animation jobs at the Kansas City Star in 1919. Why'd they fire him? Here's what they said. He lacked imagination and has no good ideas. Ha, yeah. Take that, Kansas City Star. How about Harlan Sanders? You're like, who in the world is Harlan Sanders? We know him as the Colonel. Colonel Sanders. He was 40 years old when he started cooking chicken at his Shell service station in 1930 said it took 10 years to perfect his secret recipe. He was rejected over a 1,000 times. And now we know it is finger-licking good. <laughs> Amazing. It's great stuff. Steve Jobs, fired from the very company that he created. Stephen King's first novel was rejected by 30 publishers before being picked up. I think about my own life. When, the, you know, when I met my wife and we started dating, the first time I told her I loved her. Rejection. Yeah, it didn't land well. Now, admittedly, I, I got there, I rushed, I got there a little bit quick. You know, when, when you find a good thing, you gotta lock it down. And so, we'd been dating for probably two to three weeks. I get it, kinda quick. We were finishing up a date, and we stood there by the car, and I said, I, I need to tell you something. And I breathed deep, and I looked her in the eyes, and I said, I love you. And she said, thanks. Dagger to the soul. Can we all agree? Rejection happens. It does. It happens. Write this down. It doesn't just happen, but rejection hurts. Oh, man, does it hurt. It hurts so bad. Rejection hurts. The pain of rejection is real. I don't know if you ever tried out for a team and didn't make the cut. Oh, I remember trying out. You know, in high school, you, maybe you go out for the baseball team and they post the roster in the locker room and everybody crowds around and you're looking for your name and you're thinking, there must be a mistake. My name's not here. It's like, no, nope, no mistake. You got cut. You didn't make it. Or maybe the relationship didn't work out. She said, it's, it's not you, it's me. This isn't, this isn't working out. You'll find somebody else. You're a good person. You're a great friend. Oh, it hurts, the rejection. Maybe you lost a job. Or you got cut out of a friend group. That's real, isn't it? You go on social media and you see that all your friends were hanging out, hanging out with the best people ever, but you weren't there. You're like, how could it be the best? If I wasn't there, they, how are they getting together without me? Rejection is painful, it hurts. 
Now, I will say, sometimes rejection can be a good thing. Maybe many of you, you've made a decision that your life has changed, you're living for Jesus, and your old friend group doesn't wanna hang out with you. You don't get the invites you used to get. Maybe this kind of rejection's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing that you're not being welcomed in. As a follower of Jesus, we're not always going to fit in. We're told in Romans 12, verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't look and blend into everybody that's around you. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I need you to know rejection happens. Rejection hurts. I mean, Jesus faced it. And if Jesus faced it, how much more will we face it? How in the world could you reject Jesus? He's Jesus for crying out loud. Yet if you go to Luke chapter four, you'll find Jesus is about to begin his ministry. He's fasting for 40 days. I mean, he is hungry. He's overcome the temptation of the devil. He returns to his hometown of Nazareth. He opens the scroll of Isaiah and he basically says, this prophecy is being fulfilled in your presence today. And guess what? People didn't like it. They didn't like it. In Luke chapter four, verse 28, it says that all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove Jesus out of town. They took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Hello, that's some rejection. But Jesus pulls a little David Copperfield, says he walked right through the crowd, went on his way. I mean, they didn't just reject him, they wanted to eject him off of a cliff. They wanted to kill him. That's some serious cancel culture 1.0 right there. I mean, they wanted to get rid of him. Jesus faced it. The early church, the early church faced tremendous rejection. In Acts chapter 13, we read about Paul and Barnabas. They're in Antioch. And in Antioch, many people are coming to faith. This is incredible. The movement is underway. The entire city wants to hear about Jesus. And we're asked that, that they get asked to stay longer. The people are like, we gotta hear more. We want an encore. Give us more. But as it turns out, not everyone wanted them around. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 44. It says, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine the entire region, all of Minneapolis, just showing up at substance? They're like, we wanna hear more. We wanna hear more. How awesome. Verse 45, when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy. So often, rejection is fueled by jealousy. So they, they're jealous of the crowds that, that, that they're drawing as they talk about Jesus. And it says they began to contradict what Paul was saying and they heaped abuse on him. And then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. Here's what they said. We had to speak the word of the Lord to you. We had to bring the word of God to you first. But since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Bad news for you, great news for the Gentiles. We're gonna carry this message to, to another audience. And then if you go to verse 49, it says the word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Look at what they did in verse 51. It says, so they, say it with me, so they shook the dust. Say it again, so they shook the dust, one more time. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them, and they went to Iconium. So listen, if Jesus faced rejection, if the disciples and the early church faced rejection, you and I don't stand a chance. 
It is just a part of life. But what we see out of these passages is that neither Jesus nor the disciples let rejection ruin them. It didn't ruin them. And it changed, it transformed, it drove them. And so let me give you two thoughts on dealing with dust. Two thoughts on dealing with rejection. Here's the first. You gotta shake the dust before you spread the dust. You've gotta shake the dust before you spread the dust. We've all had that moment where you walk in the house and you saw footprints, didn't you? You saw like clumps of dirt across the floor. It's like, hey, everybody, check your shoes. Somebody stepped in something. Hopefully it's just dust. Hopefully that's all that you stepped in. Everybody check your shoes. You know, this is why when you go to some people's houses, they're like, hey, would you take your shoes off at the door? I'm like, oh, that's weird. I don't take my shoes off at the door. The reason is because they don't want the outside making its way on the inside. They don't want the dust getting tracked through the house. And let me tell you, in the same way, if you don't shake the dirt off, the rejection, the offense, the bitterness, the jealousy, if you don't shake it off, you'll wind up tracking it all through the house. You smell what I'm stepping in? You will track it all through the relationships. You'll track it through your marriage. You'll track it through the workplace. You will begin to project that dust on everyone else. If you don't learn to deal with your hurt and your rejection, it will become the lens by which you begin to view and treat other people. You know it's true. Some of you, you have run good people out of your life, not because of what they did, but because of what somebody did in your past. And that hurt was never dealt with, so you just projected it on them. They're gonna betray me just like everybody else does. And you didn't deal with it. And now it's affecting your life. Instead of people being innocent until proven guilty, people are now guilty until proven innocent. Why? Because you let the dust and the dirt of rejection begin to mess with your life. You've left these footprints all over. Dirt that isn't dealt with will begin to pile up. That's why we've got to shake it off. Show me someone who hasn't dealt with their hurt. I promise you there is a trail of dirt behind them. There is a trail of betrayal behind them. I think the best thing that we could do is probably we ought to just go ahead and uh, we need to get really comfortable walking into situations of rejection and saying, I'm gonna shake the dust. I'm gonna shake the dust. We, we gotta get good. Taking off our shoes and just saying, you know what, I hear what you said, but uh-uh, that's not me. I'm not receiving that. I'm gonna make a conscious decision that I'm no longer letting your hurt become my dirt. I am shaking the dust, I'm getting rid of this. No more trail of betrayal everywhere I go. I'm not dragging my past into my present and affecting my future. I'm going to shake the dust. Listen, your bad day doesn't have to become my bad day. No, I'm not bringing that into my office. I'm gonna shake the dust. Listen, mistrust doesn't have to become my mistrust. I'm shaking the dust. Some of us, we need to sit down at family gathering this Christmas and just take your shoes off. They don't have to know what you're doing, just go. You'll know, you'll know, you're like, uh, I am not carrying that negativity back home with me. I am shaking the dust from my past. It doesn't have to go with you any longer. Listen, I may never get their acceptance, but I, I'm not gonna be marked by their rejection. And let me tell you, there are people that will not like you, they will not celebrate you, they will reject you. It's a part of life. You've got to shake the dust 
before you spread the dust. Now, I know it's like, Pastor, that's easier said than done. Oh, yeah. You remember when you were growing up and you would say things like, well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what did you say? Finish it. Words will never hurt me. That was the biggest lie, wasn't it? Oh, that was a lie from the pit of hell. Words hurt like crazy. I'd almost rather be hit with sticks and stones than, than these words because wounds heal, but words, they linger. They linger. Let me just tell you, you gotta shake that off. If you don't shake it off, you'll bring it with you. You will bring it with you. Your, can I tell you, your worth is not determined or diminished by someone's inability to see it. Just because they don't see you as valuable does not diminish your worth, and we need to stop letting the dirt of someone else's life devalue ours. Matter of fact, my Bible says if you wanna know what something is worth, you have to look at what someone's willing to pay for it. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, there's some homework. Read about how God paid a high price for you. You're not some like scratch and dent section, thrift store, throwaway, discount, bargain, basement. No, God paid a high price for you. You are worth it. You're worth it. I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle says. He says, my life is too short and my calling is too great to live offended. It means I'm not gonna let their dirt lead to my hurt. Oh my God, I gotta shake the dust before I spread the dust. Here's the second thing I need you to see. Number two, write this in your notes. Get where you're going. Get where you're going. Let's go back and look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter nine, verse five. He said, if people do not welcome you, leave their town. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. You don't welcome me, that's fine. I got places to go. I'm not a dust dweller. I'm gonna get going. I got places to be. Luke chapter four, verse 30. They try to throw Jesus off the cliff. What did he do? Verse 30 says, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. He had places to go. He wasn't lingering there. How about Paul and Barnabas, verse 51 of Acts 13. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them, and they went to Iconium. Notice what they didn't do. Like Jesus didn't put them on blast. He didn't try to roast Nazareth. Didn't get on TripAdvisor, write a one-star review. Nazareth is the worst, does not recommend. He didn't, he had places to go. They didn't go back, you know, Paul and Barnabas didn't go back to these towns trying to seek acceptance. Like, just give me another chance. Let me explain myself. Hold on, you'll like me if you'll just give me more time. They didn't launch a smear campaign against Antioch. They didn't cancel them. They didn't quit. They just shook the dust and they got on with their day. They had places to go. People of purpose have places to go. And so they got going. Let me tell you, don't let what happened in Antioch keep you from going to Iconium. They left Antioch, they went to Iconium. What, what happened in Iconium? If you go to chapter 14 of Acts, you'll see verse one says, at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed, but the Jews who refused to believe, guess what they did? They stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So sure enough, they leave Antioch, they go to Iconium, People are getting saved, this is amazing, but sure enough, you know, with, with people getting saved, all of a sudden out of the woodwork comes people that are gonna reject them. It happens. Some people loved them, some people plotted to kill them. Such is life. But then verse six says, but they found out about it and they fled to Lysonian cities of Lystra and Derbe, 
to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. They didn't let it discourage them. They kept going. Anybody wanna take a guess at what happened in Lystra? You can read this for yourself. There's a lame man who had never walked but had faith to be healed and Paul healed him. And then eventually he went back to Antioch and more people got saved. What I wanna tell you is that the rejection you're facing now, if you'll keep going, it will lead you to an Iconium moment and then to a Lystra moment. And there's no telling the people that will, be, that will experience healing and life and encouragement if you will get going. You've got places to go. My point is this. If they hadn't shaken the dust of rejection, they would have been suspect of everyone. Everybody's out to get us. Nobody wants to hear what we have to say. Don't trust anyone, don't let anyone in. But I need to tell you, God has assignments with your name on it. And the devil will do everything in his power to discourage you. But I need you to know, you'll never see what God has ahead of you if you're constantly looking in the past. You gotta shake the dust. You gotta shake the dust, you gotta move on, you gotta build a bridge, get over it, because you'll never arrive at your destination by retracing the trail of betrayal from your past. Move on. Think about it this way. If God accepts you, why does it matter if man rejects you? I mean, it doesn't even make any sense how hung up we get on the rejection of people when we have the acceptance of God. Paul says this in Philippians chapter three, verse 13. He says, one thing I do, forget what's behind. I'm forgetting the past. What was behind Paul? Loads of stuff. His past was a train wreck. I mean, this guy was opposing Christianity has an encounter with God and now he's a proponent for, he's preaching, he's a missionary. I mean, talk about the guilt of his past, but he's like, I forget what lies behind and I strain towards what's ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It made me think about it this way. What if rejection is part of the qualification process? What if part of getting you to your destination is dealing with rejection so that you get to the place where you say, why does it matter if man rejects me when I know that God accepts me? Rejection is discouraging, but it doesn't have to be disqualifying. It doesn't need to be the end. Don't seek approval, approval from people that are unwilling to, to give it. There, there, there are some people, some of us are gonna go home and we're gonna spend the holidays with a mom or a dad who has never approved and accepted. Nothing you ever do will ever be good enough. Some of us, our lives have been marked by words like, you were an accident. Why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you get it together? When are you gonna get married? And their words have marked you and marked you and this is another holiday and it's not merry and bright, you're dreading it and you know you're stepping into this and it hurts and I want you to know some people will never give you their acceptance. And that's okay because the God of the universe sees you, loves you right where you are so stop seeking approval from people that are incapable of ever seeing who you really are. Because when you know you're approved by God, you can handle the rejection of man. You know, Isaiah in prophesying about the Messiah said that he would be despised and rejected. If you're facing rejection, I need you to know you're in good company. Psalm says that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone I think before something great is established in our life, we've gotta battle a little bit of rejection so we can figure out that our real worth does not come from the people that are around us, but from the God who created us. 
And I would love Substance Church, I would love to be able to pray for every single person today that maybe is battling some rejection. You may not have confided in anybody. This is something that you've been carrying because we live in a world that tells us just stuff it deep, nobody cares, and that's a lie. You got a church that cares, you have leadership who cares, you have groups who care. And if we can begin to share with people, here's, here's the hurt, here's the words, here's what I've been carrying. I think it's so crazy that we carry this when Jesus says, cast your cares on me. Maybe today you need to cast your cares on the Lord. Stop carrying it and let his words speak over you. You know, I think about Jesus when he got baptized. It says, the voice from heaven spoke over him. This is my son, spoke to his identity. Whom I love, spoke affection. With him, I'm well pleased, affirmation. Isn't that something we all are hungry for? Identity, affection, affirmation. Can I tell you, as long as you look for it in, in people, you'll continue to go hungry. But when you look for it in your heavenly father, you'll find exactly what you need. I believe God wants to speak that over your life today. Could we pray together? Could we bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment? I always love to just ask the question, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Wherever you may be joining us from, what is it that the Holy Spirit is saying to your heart right now? Is there a rejection that you've been ignoring and God says, let's deal with it today. I brought you here today to deal with it. Could you name it? Can you say, God, I'm giving this over, I'm releasing, I'm letting it go. I'm shaking the dust. I'm moving on. You have more ahead of me than lies behind. But could you just right now just say, God, I'm giving it over to you. And maybe today, maybe you say, say Pastor, I've never, you know, I've, I've never put my faith and my trust in Jesus. You talk about God loving me and accepting me, but that's not the picture of God that I have. Well, I need you to know that the picture of God that we have in the Bible is a loving father. He's a father whose heart breaks for his kids who are lost and struggling and dealing with rejection. And he says, if you would come to me, I will forgive you, I will accept you, I will bring healing into your life. And if there's never been a moment in your life when you said yes to Jesus, would this be your moment? The Bible tells us that if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. What a great promise. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I wanna give you that opportunity right now. Just with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if today you need to begin a relationship with God, I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna pause. And in that pause, I'm just gonna let this be your moment. You can pray this in the quietness of your heart. That's the amazing thing is that when we call out to God, he hears us. And you can own these words with sincerity. You can begin a relationship with God. And so wherever you may be joining us from, whichever campus you're at right now, you can begin a relationship with God. So I invite you in this moment with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you make this your prayer? Would you say, dear God, just in the quietness of your heart, dear God, thank you for loving me. I repent of my sin today and I give you my life. I put my trust in Jesus. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Change me today. Give me the courage to live for you. Say this, say thank you for saving me. Now just for another moment with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe another 20, 30 seconds across our campus as if today you would say, that's me. I just said yes to Jesus. Here's what I wanna ask you to do. I'm gonna count to three. When I hit three, I just want you to raise your hand high in the air, right where you are. Just wanna be able to see that hand and then celebrate together. So if that's you and you'd say, Pastor, today I said yes to Jesus, would you raise your hand high on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. Come on, raise it up high right where you are. I see hands going up all over the campus. This is incredible. 
Praise God. Anybody else? You're waiting. You're like, I don't want to be the only one. You are not the only one today. Come on, raise that hand. Let's do this. Can we put our hands down? Can we celebrate across all of our campuses right now? Come on. Come on. Let's celebrate together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your grace and your gift that is available to all of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you would like to contribute to Substance financially, you can do so by visiting substancechurch.com giving and then select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening and be sure to check in next week for a new message.